All right, welcome to Shout Out Patriots. I am Martin Moyer, your host. Joining me today is Jason Bender of the Patriot Church, Alec Rooney, the news editor for Christian Action Network, Michael Moyer, our producer, and in Kansas today is David Carroll, a, an attorney and who is also the chairman of the board for Christian Action Network that is sponsoring this podcast. Welcome, everybody. All right, so today we're going to talk about a story that uh, I'm not sure it's made national news, but it's made some news, and people who have heard about it are quite upset when they learn about it. And that's the case of a bodega worker in New York City who was charged with murder for simply trying to defend himself. So we're going to show in just a second a surveillance video of this incident, but I want to set it up. Uh, So apparently a woman and a child go into this bodega and she wants to buy a bag of chips for her daughter that I guess is supposed to be around 10 years old. But she's trying to pay with an EBT debit card and when the store clerk tries to run it through, it comes up empty. And uh, he ran it through, I think a couple of times, could not make the purchase and took the bag of chips back. That upset the female customer, and she said to the store clerk, the store clerk's name is Jose Alba, a 61-year-old man, uh, that she was then going to go find her boyfriend, and that boyfriend was going to come in and F him up. And she proceeded to do that. The boyfriend comes back. uh, He starts to question the store owner as to, you know, how dare he not give this bag of chips free to this little girl. Uh, The store clerk tries to explain his situation. Uh, The uh, boyfriend, whose name is Austin Simon, who's 35 years old, uh, picks the guy up and begins to toss him around, demanding that he apologize to his girlfriend. The store clerk refuses to apologize. So this uh, Austin Simon guy, who is a uh, career criminal, recently out on parole for assaulting a police officer, started to rough him up. The store clerk found a knife as he was being drugged along by this uh, guy who's uh, bigger than him and half his age and stabs him five times. Meanwhile, uh, the girlfriend stabs the store clerk four times. She had a knife in her purse. At the end of the day, the boyfriend dies, and the police come in and do their job, which is they arrest the store clerk and charge him with murder, and he is sent off to Rikers Island immediately, uh, and prosecutors demand that a judge uh, set a $500,000 bond to let this guy come back out of Rikers Island, which is absolutely crazy. Judge even thought that was crazy. He set it at $250,000. That's still a lot of money for a store clerk to come up with, even if he's only, only, if he only has to come up with ten percent of that. Public outrage ensued, and the judge reduced the bail bond down to fifty thousand dollars, and then he was let out. So that's the setup. We are going to watch a forty-five second surveillance video of this incident. Go ahead and roll it, Michael. For people listening on the audio, I'm going to describe what we're watching. So we have 
the storekeeper, Jose Alba, just being pushed by Austin Simon, the boyfriend of the girl who wanted the chips. And Jose Alba now sitting on a chair. He looks disheveled. Uh, in his face is Mr. Simon. And he's threatening him, saying, apologize to my girlfriend. He picks him up from the chair. He begins to shove him toward the girlfriend. A fight breaks out. And what we see here is now they are off the screen. We're not real sure what's going on. But as they pop back on the screen, we notice that the storekeeper has a knife in his hand. He's looking at his arm. He has a wound, which was a stab from the girlfriend. And that is what we just saw. Okay, there you have it. Michael, uh, re-roll it right back to the beginning. Now, some people claim that the bag of chips that uh, the young uh, child wanted cost $10. I don't know if it really cost $10. It didn't look like a $10 bag of chip to me. But let's say it did cost $10. If you notice the T-shirt that the boyfriend has on, what does it say? It says Emery, correct? All right. Has anybody ever heard of Emery before? I have not. All right, so anybody want to guess what that T-shirt costs? Sounds like some expensive fashion designer name. Okay, well, eighty dollars. Eighty dollars says the pastor. What do you say? Uh, I'm going to say two hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred for a T-shirt. Wow. Okay, David, what do you say that T-shirt costs? Depends on whether he got it at TJ Maxx, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks or stole it. It is probably an expensive T-shirt. Twenty-five dollars. $30. Okay. Uh, Michael already knows how much it costs. So, Michael, uh, we pulled it up from Nordstrom. Show what that t-shirt costs. Okay. This right here is the t-shirt. Well, it's a very similar t-shirt, and the price for this is actually $390 for what? this t-shirt. I was close. $390. You were close. Well, you, you were close. You said 200 it's I was close at yeah. <laughs> If this was price is right, right. you would have won. Correct? I <laughs> and guess you know it's funny? The model almost looks like the... The boyfriend. I know. I, that's why they're going to be using Michael that in their it. advertising pretty soon. So <laughs> a lot of people have commented. I never heard of this T-shirt brand before, but I was reading comments about uh, how can a guy that is wearing an a Mary T-shirt yeah. possibly be upset and can't afford a ten dollar bag of chips? Why is there no money on the EBT card? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he blew all his money on the T-shirt. On the t-shirt. Do we do we know for sure he bought it? Maybe he stole it from somebody. Could be a counterfeit shirt. Too. Well, the thing is, we don't know, but it does raise the interesting question. He wants to walk around as if he has a lot of money. He comes into a store, and maybe the store clerk realizes, oh, you have an Ameri T-shirt on. That's a $390 T-shirt you got on, and you're demanding that I give a free bag of chips to your girlfriend's daughter? Go out on the streets of New York City, hawk that T-shirt, you'll have plenty of money to come back and bag all the chips probably in this store we have right now. But instead, he decides to roughhouse the store clerk, making the store clerk think the possibility he was going to get so roughed up at 62, he could end up dying in this complex. So he defends himself, and he goes to jail. What's interesting here, and we are referring to this case because the district attorney... Ford, New York City, is Alvin Bragg. And Alvin Bragg got support, a lot of financial support from George Soros during his campaign to win the district attorney position. He won by 83% of the vote in New York City. 
So here is a George Soros appointed prosecutor, district attorney. Not appointed, but supported. Or supported, yeah. right. He got him into office. Funded. Funded. Funded, funded. funded. yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's just another example of these George Soros uh, district ex- attorneys. District attorneys that he supports that it's getting into these powerful positions in many cities around the United States. There's about 75 of them across the United States right now. And that's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. they Each are one of called, them received close to a million dollars from Soros to get elected. And they're called social justice prosecutors. Yeah. I don't know who gave them that name. That's what it comes up. Uh, you know, if you look for these George Soros appointed uh, or supported prosecutors, they are social justice prosecutors. And there's a lot of traits that are similar. They never really run a campaign and say exactly how soft on crime they're going to be until they're actually in that position. And then you learn how soft on crime that they are willing to be. I pulled up a couple. So in Portland, Oregon, uh, the district attorney, Mike Smith, announced after he was elected that he will no longer prosecute anybody that interferes with a police officer disorderly conduct, criminal trespass, or people participating in a riot. Now, so someone said, you know, referring to this, well, come on, interfering with a police officer, he doesn't want to prosecute that, you know, what's the big deal with that, huh. you know? However, other people pointed out, well, during these riots, a lot of people interfere with the police officers so the people behind them can commit all these crimes, and you can't get through these people to apprehend those that are breaking into buildings, setting buildings on fire, destroying uh, merchandise because these people are interfering with police officers. And now you get a free pass to do it in Portland. You get a free pass to block the police officer because you will not be charged with interfering and obstructing their way to make these arrests. I thought that was a an and excellent me- point. And meanwhile, the police are get absolutely no quarter from the DA. If the, the police do anything in any way questionable, they've got the they're they're going to land on them um, full power. And let me also point out that at least in my view, and I know this doesn't speak for everybody here, but when I watched the George Floyd uh, videotape, that I thought that if that crowd would have not been interfering with the police officer and his duties. That the, that the outcome probably would not have been the same. Well, not only are these uh, prosecutors uh, taking it or being incredibly soft on crime, but a lot of them are very inexperienced also. And over, uh, since about 2014, George Soros, who's this Hungarian uh, hedge fund manager and a billionaire, has been setting up PACs, which are political action committees, and uh, also... Um, public relations firms and funneling money into them and funneling money into the campaigns of all these different district attorneys in different cities, big cities across the country, and getting these people elected. Because these are small races that people don't pay a lot of attention to. But these DAs have an an awful lot of power. And I'm hoping maybe, David Carroll, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of powers the district attorney has? Well, sure. The the district attorneys have the power to decide Who's going to get prosecuted for crimes? How tough the uh, the police are able to be on actual criminals? They have the power to uh, to you know refuse to prosecute. They have the power to prosecute people that should never be prosecuted. And you need to remember this about the criminal justice system: is that the process is as much a punishment as the end result. 
take the McCloskeys in St. Louis who were prosecuted for brandishing firearms when people were threatening their homes and, and yelling at them. The, the uh, St. Louis prosecutor was a George Soros funded prosecutor and she came down as hard as she could on these poor folks who were just defending their home. Uh, and, and what did she do? Well, she, she accused them and, and uh, indicted them for, for crimes. And uh, you know, even, even if they get completely off, the process itself is a big punishment. And the prosecutors have the, they, they set the standard for how much prosecution, how prosecutions are going to be handled. They set the standards for the police. And the police get extremely discouraged when all they do is arrest people and they're out on the street the next day, uh, at least for people committing dangerous crimes. And, and so the prosecutors have the opportunity to discourage the police and to defund the police without spending a cent without withholding a set. So they're, they're effectively emasculating the police. Yeah, I think you might have put your finger on the reason for this whole Soros-funded DA thing. Marty, what did you have? Well, one of the things I forgot to mention was that in this case of the bodega worker, was he was stabbed three times by the girlfriend. I did mention that, or four times by the girlfriend. But even though he was arrested for murder— the New York prosecutor said they will not charge the woman for any crime for stabbing the, the, the store clerk. We don't even know her name. No. You, you have no idea what her name is. All we know is, is that uh, she pulled out a knife from her purse, and she also began to stab the store clerk. Effectively participating in the assault on the store clerk. Well, now you see who they actually think the real criminal is. I mean, because they that that suggests to me that they see her as being the one who actually was in self-defense. Right, and treating the victims as the perpetrators is kind of a hallmark of these Soros prosecutors, these 75 people across the country. Yeah, and, and from what I understand, you know, I heard that the self-defense laws in New York are, are really bad. You know, Florida, I'm from Florida, and, and we have these stand-your-ground laws. So, David, I want to ask you— um, are you familiar with the self-defense laws in New York? Not specifically, uh, but all self-defense laws have a couple of basic things. First, in order to be able to defend yourself, you have to be in reasonable fear of great bodily harm if you're going to use deadly force. Stabbing somebody with a knife is deadly force. Uh, whether they have to retreat in New York or not, that I don't know. This was, this is, took place in a workplace, which is different from taking place in your residence. Uh, and a lot of states, and perhaps New York, requires people to retreat. Well, one thing you can see by this surveillance video is that if New York law does require you to retreat, this store owner had no path right. to retreat. Right. There was no back place that he could escape from. In fact, he was being dragged out of the place yeah. that he was trying to retreat to. But, but here, here's the question in that case. Here's what the prosecutor would probably uh, rely on. He'd say, well, look, the store owner, not the store owner, the clerk, the clerk stabbed this guy, he used deadly force. The guy was using fists against the clerk, 
So that's not necessarily and probably isn't deadly force. So he was probably not reasonable in his fear of great bodily harm. I don't agree with that, but I can see the prosecutor saying that, a liberal prosecutor that wants to, you got to understand that this is a whole Marxist thing. The whole Marxist theory is it's the oppressor versus the oppressed. Well, the black people are automatically the oppressed. And so the store owner, even though he's an elderly man, a man of color, he, he had a job, he makes money, so he is the oppressor. And so the, the George Soros Marxist kind of prosecutor looks at, okay, who was the oppressor and who's the oppressed? Well, the clerk is the oppressor, and therefore he's going to charge him with murder, no matter what the uh, was doing, the, the assaulter. If you don't let somebody have a bag of potato chips, you're certainly the oppressor. Right. And let me um, let me say something now. I've been watching, uh, you know, like Fox News and even before that CNN and everything. And I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a lot of like uh, they would claim Asian hate crimes and just random attacks on the street. Oh, yeah. And many and many of these people were attacked with one punch and died. And this was in New York and in other cities just like that. So if you had been watching any of these things, then a. A, a punch from one of these people, one of these younger, tougher people, could actually be a death sentence. Definitely I mean, cause great bodily harm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, How long ago was the story we saw out of New York City where the young woman went past an elderly woman, pushed her to the ground, and that woman died? Yeah. You know, because she's an elderly woman. This guy, I mean, when you look at him, you probably think he's older than 61 years old. So this younger... 35-year-old coming in who's much bigger than him probably knows that with his fists alone, he could kill this guy. And look, this idea that, you know, someone beating on you with their fists is not deadly force are people who never read the news. Right. Ever. Because there's plenty and plenty of stories out there. We have one in Lynchburg uh, that I know of where a guy sucker punched another guy he fell down, he hit his head, and he died on the spot. And he wasn't even an old guy. Yep. He was a young guy. Yeah. So that is a deadly force. I think you have a right to defend yourself. Even just getting a concussion or something is bad enough. That's reason enough to defend yourself. With and, a knife. and for Albert, that or Alba, that's a that's a scary place to be. He's back there. He's in his workplace, right? right? Safe he should, space. Yeah, that should yeah. be a safe place for him. And then somebody comes back there. They push him against the wall or whatever that was. Where do I go? What right. do I do? Right. And then he's there hitting them, punching them. And you notice the counter has that little window, and it's set up deliberately to protect him from that kind of attack. Now, here's, here's, my, and here's my question. The girlfriend who was there, it looked like she had money in her hand, and she was trying to block the boyfriend, like hold him back. Do you guys, can you guys tell what was going on there? No, I, I don't know, but I look, New York Times ran a story about this, no. of course, and it's liberal writing, and they were sure to point out that the uh, the attacker was unarmed, right? I mean, that was in the story. You oh, know, yeah. The unarmed. The unarmed man who went in and attacked the store. Who confronted. He, right. They used the word confronted the store owner. Right. The, as if he were fact, standing up yeah. for the honor of his race or something. <laughs> he was pushing him around and throwing yeah. him around. That was, that's the New York Times story. I wish I'd saved that here to read it because that was just absolutely disgusting. All right. So even if he was not armed, let's bear in mind his girlfriend was armed. She did have a knife in her purse. Not only that, she did pull it out. Not only did she pull it out, she did stab this guy four times. That's not mentioned in the New York Times story. 
That's a lot more than the confrontation. That's a lot more than a confrontation. That, that's an assault right, right. there. And yeah. you do have the ability to exercise uh, uh, you know, a deadly means of assault when you are carrying around a knife in your purse and you're arguing with the guy and the boyfriend is beating you up. And they were going to teach that old guy a lesson. Right. And what that lesson amounted to for him, nobody knows. Because the luckily, the assault, the assailant is dead. Well, and they made the woman he made didn't the know. threat, right? He didn't know what was going to happen, so he was he was totally justified in defending himself. My boyfriend's going to come in and f you up. Right, that I don't want to get effed up. I don't know about anybody <laughs> else. Right, and what does being effed up mean when right. you see some guy twice your size and twice, or not twice your size, but much taller than you, but half your age coming in, knowing that he's going to f you up? Right, and that's something I don't want to happen to me. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stop him. Exactly. But it's um, these, these, these Soros uh, DAs, of which Alvin Bragg is one, and we should mention that Alvin Bragg, I think in the first year he was in office, lost nine of his own prosecutors because he's told his staff he wasn't going to prosecute drug offenses, prostitution, rioting, the kind of things you were mentioning, um, uh, Michael. Um, he lost nine of his prosecutors, but Bragg did step forward enthusiastically to lead the investigation against about Donald Trump's finances in New York. So that's what Alvin Bragg's been up to. But a lot of these these Soros prosecutors, they 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 say that they're being compassionate. They want to reduce incarceration rates. They want to be nicer to felons. They want to be nicer to violent criminals. Like this is going to this is going to work in ways that uh, that law enforcement hasn't worked before. And I'm just wondering what you guys think. Is this just stupidity or naivete on their part, or do they really know how much they are trying to screw up American society by being soft on crime? Well, we talked off camera before we came on the show and discussed the idea, well, what is the end game for these liberal, woke prosecutors who are soft on crime? And we know what the effect is of being soft on crime. You have a demoralized police force, police that, one, are afraid to make an arrest because they may get charged themselves, or two, uh, they are so demoralized they do not want to be a policeman anymore, and anybody can go to the Internet and look up and see how many police are leaving the police force. You don't have to defund them now. They're all quitting. Is this the actual goal of the George Soros endgame here? And that is to get rid of police. And the question is, and we talked about this off camera, well, why? Why do they want to get rid of local police? And the answer is perhaps so that the government, the federal government, can come in and bring in federal police to replace those local police. Does our government want to replace local police with federal police? So I'm going to bring back a quote that President Obama made uh, many years ago. Uh, Let me see if I can even come up with the date he made it back in 2008. Here's what President Obama said. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded as our U.S. military. That's the statement he made in 2008. And now, 
And now we see kind of like maybe that plan is in action with the George Soros-funded prosecutors. David, I'm now going to pass it on to you. I see it just a little bit differently. I think they're, they are pursuing a complete breakdown in society, which is what happens when crime runs wild. Look what's happened in San Francisco. We see all these images of, of shoplifters going in, just cleaning out stores taking in shopping carts and stealing everything that they can. That kind of breakdown in society uh, is, is what the Marxists want. It's, a, it's clearly part of the Marxist plan, part of the Marxist doctrine, and these prosecutors are, are on the forefront of it, uh, on the front lines. Burn down the whole system and replace it with what they want to replace it with. On a positive note, the DA, the Soros-backed DA, in San Francisco, Chesa Budin was just recalled. He just got booted out of his job. As, and several other of these people are in deep trouble in the same way, which is a really, a really positive thing that people are starting to catch on to what's going on. Jason, what'd you have? Yeah, well, on that, let me just make a point first on what you just said, Alex. So on that note, it seems like these people are trying to see how far that they can push the envelope, right? And some of them are getting away with it and some aren't. But to go back, yeah, to, but to go back to your statement before, I mean, obviously these people know exactly what they're doing. These DAs, they're not naive. They're not stupid. They, they have a strategy. And if they're being supported and funded by Soros in part, obviously Soros is giving them their marching orders. And I would take it also a step further, like David mentioned, you know, these people, they want to disrupt society, of course. That's their that's their plan. That's their end game. But let's take it even further. They're looking to institute the New World Order, the Great Reset. You know, we mentioned this also prior to the, the podcast is that, you know, you have people mentioning these words, liberal world order, right? So the more chaos there is in our country, in our society, the more we're going to have to rely on the world, the global system, and then the global system comes into play. We, we all join hands, come together, sing Kumbaya, and now that's what they want. That's Except what Vladimir Putin, he's not doing that. <laughs> well, but that's it, a whole different show. It seems to me as though uh, that they are trying for the, uh, the, the, the strategy of making everybody's life as uh, miserable and dangerous as possible so you will give up all of your rights in order to uh, protect yourself. And they are trying to scare everybody, everybody away from being an American, away from having your own uh, rights and freedoms. And, and your own police force. Your own police force. Of your neighbors. Yes, to, to, for you to voluntarily vote and give up control to these people. Yeah. And they are going to tell you that they are the ones who are compassionate, so you vote for them. All the while, they've just got a rope around your neck dragging you to hell. Well, think what it's like to live in a society where you can't defend yourself against an, an attacker out of fear that you could spend the rest of your life in jail. I mean, who wants to live in a society like that? Who wants to champion a society like that? I mean, it's so mind-boggling. You would think absolutely no one, but here we are. I mean, this isn't the only case out there, this bodega worker, who is the victim of a crime, but the one that's being charged as if he is the criminal. Because you also have the McCloskey case out of St. Louis. Here you had a bunch of protesters show up at these attorney's homes in St. Louis, Black Lives Matter, threatening to kill their dog, to burn down their home. 
They have some weaponry outside. And who is arrested? Not a single one of the Black Lives Matter making the threats. But the homeowners are arrested and put in jail. That's the society that these George Soros people want to create. And apparently people like those that work at the New York Times is all behind it. I mean, don't they have, they live in New York, right? These people, these reporters at the New York Times, don't they have to go to these bodegas? I mean, don't they go? Don't they have to go home somewhere? And don't they have to go perhaps on a subway where some guy, which happening all the time now in New York City, people being pushed onto the subway, or it's just randomly beat the hell out of one. Maybe they all live the in mansions out in the Hamptons or something. I don't think so. They could though. be remote workers nowadays. <laughs> right. They're <laughs> just sitting at home somewhere. But guys, these people, they're anti America and they hate our country. Look at our founding documents, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what are they doing? They're looking to take away life. They're looking to take away our liberty and our freedom. They're working very hard over time on the clock about that. And they don't want you to pursue happiness. They want to make our lives miserable, like Michael said. So it's all an anti-America push and agenda. Right. And part of that, that America is our law enforcement system and our police. And they would love to see those big, traditional, American, powerful establishments torn down. Let me remind you of another case. So you're, you're, when you were mentioning the, uh, the treating the... The, the McCloskeys? The per, yeah, yeah. The, uh, similar to the McCloskeys. In Loudoun County, um, here in... Uh, not Loudoun County, but in... Uh, it was Loudoun, yeah. There's where the, there was a, a girl, a high school girl, was raped in the bathroom by a transgender boy. Remember that? We had several stories on that. And the father of the girl came to a school board meeting and denounced the school board very loudly... And the, uh, the uh, Loudoun County Commonwealth attorney, Buddha B. Baraj, who was a George Soros attorney, um, made sure to go after that father of that girl who was raped and personally try to get him incarcerated. Well, he was, he was put in jail. He was. Yeah, he was yeah. put in jail. That was her work. And she, that, that was unprecedented for a DA to do that. It was unprecedented for a DA to show up at the trial of this guy on a charge that he was charged with to make sure the father, that he could get the furthest, the harshest, you know, criminal penalty right. a right. judge could right. give that individual. For the father of a young female rape victim. I mean, it's just that this is how this is how they operate. And it's the word that keeps coming to my mind is just satanic. Yeah. The way they want to turn over the working order and, and just make chaos out of everyone's lives. Yeah. Well, they, you know, besides being anti-America, it's also anti-Christ. It's anti-biblical. You know, let's let's look at Romans 13, right? A verse that churches love to miscontextualize. If we look at Romans 13, the government was instituted by God for the good of the people and to be a terror for evil. So once the government now usurps that and, you know, contrast flips that role, now the, the government isn't doing its job. So they're looking, they're saying, okay, you know what, we're going to do the exact opposite of, of how and why God instituted the government. And they're doing a fine job, unfortunately. Sure, and I think in those places the government has lost all legitimacy. It's lost its legitimacy. I'm going to leave it at that because we know it's listening to the podcast and, you know, with the FBI raiding everybody's homes now, they, <laughs> yeah. they're like, what you said, right. misinterpret and Emailing exaggerate people. what you said. Yeah, you never know. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Let them ponder as to, you know, what did he mean by that? But in these cases, they're losing their legitimacy, and I think the American people know it, and they're afraid. And you read stories like this, you can't help but be afraid. You're afraid to walk down. My wife, you know, we have we do documentary films here, 
And I'm doing a documentary film, I'm not going to say what it is right now, but I'm doing a documentary film that needs to take us to New York City. And she will not go. Mm, mm-hmm. She will not go. And she doesn't even read all the horrible stories I have to read every day that's going on in New York City. Just what she knows as to what's going on in New York City. She feels it's now unsafe. And she doesn't want to take the chance of going there and getting harmed. So, Marty, you know what? She's not the only one. I'm sure my wife would share that same sentiment. A lot of Americans would share that same sentiment because they, we don't feel, Americans don't feel safe anymore. We can't trust the government. We can't trust the DA. We right. can't trust the police. Right. Well, when people are walking down the streets and there are people, criminals, on the lookout for what type of watch you may have, what kind of necklace you may have, because they will come up and they'll steal it from you and knock you to the ground, beat you, and then take that that garment or that uh, uh, accessory away from you. Imagine what it must be. Let's go through your head. If you're a film crew, bring in expensive cameras into the streets right. of New York right. City. And God help you if you try to defend yourself yeah. when they attack you. Yeah, right. If you try to defend yourself. You end up in right. Rikers Island. And it's not like of years of old where you're an old woman, you walk down the streets, you, you respect that. You're not going to harm an old lady. But now you have these criminals who are punching old women in the face with no regard. They don't care about, am I going to kill this person? They just want her purse. They just want whatever the expensive things are, her earrings, that they can go and sell. It's or disgusting. for no reason whatsoever. Right. I mean, do you know how many stories just come out of they New can. York City? Yeah. Like, just once the not... word gets out that these DAs aren't prosecuting for any of this stuff, it's going to be just open season. I bet you cannot go a week and read news coming out of New York where some older person is violently attacked at random. And that's the ones that's appearing in the news. How many are actually occurring that the news media never reports on? Because now it's getting to be old news. Hey, oh, this is another same old, same old. Someone got pushed onto the tracks of a subway. Someone out there got knocked down for no apparent reason. I read uh, a story, I guess, a couple of days ago where a guy had a wrench in his hand. And went up to an old lady and started beating her over the head in New York City with this wrench for no reason whatsoever. You know what's ridiculous is that uh, if if people alive and voting nowadays had just thought for themselves or, or, or just not uh, listened to the pretty words that these people say and think of how, how wonderful it'll be because you got somebody elected who said they care about social issues— uh, Instead of instead of following these people, just thought with yourself or or, or or read the Bible, how much all of this would have been prevented, and none none of y'all would be following these broken prosecutors or electing these corrupt officials and screwing everybody over in the process. Uh, all it takes is just a little bit of thinking, and this could have been avoided. Alec, you brought also brought up something on the uh, pre pre show that we did. Are, uh, and that is George Soros probably went after putting these district attorneys and backing them for office because that's one of the least uh, racist people pay attention to. Right. They're like, they're not hope, attorney? They're not high profile. They don't, not a lot of voting in them, not a lot of interest. But the position has an awful lot of power. Yes, because they actually decide what right. laws will be enforced. Right. What laws will not be enforced? In fact, these people are actually usurping the role of the legislature and telling the police what crimes will be prosecuted. And that I, I see that as just an undermining of the police 
and uh, just another component of the whole defund the police, weaken the police, get rid of the police and one effort. Of, one of the things we've learned over the past year is that there's racists out there that we have taken for granted. Oh, so-and-so is running for the school board. So-and-so is running for district example. attorney. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who they are. I'm sure they'll do a good job. I'm not going to waste my time right. getting up and they going. Must, they must have good yeah. intentions. Hey, good intentions. Right, right. You're a district attorney. You're there to prosecute. Of course you're going to prosecute. You're a school board member. Right. Of course you're going to do what's best for children. We took all that for granted, right? Yep. No more. George Soros knew we were going to take all that for granted. Yeah. And now we know we cannot take the school board elections for granted anymore. And no. we cannot take the election for district attorneys anymore. Michael, you would like to say something. We have five minutes left, guys. Oh, okay. five minutes. <laughs> and when you think about George Soros, this isn't the only space that he's infiltrating, guys. No, at no. our at our church, we played the film documentary Enemies Within the Church, and it talked about how Soros is funding some Christian organizations, some or affiliations within the church. So he's going to look with his money to infiltrate any space that he can where it's going to be anti-Christ, anti-biblical, anti-America, and he's not going to stop. I know. I, Tonight, before I go to bed, I'm going to look under my bed. But <laughs> he may be under there. He may pop up, right? The I, come, I come from the journalism uh, world, and I can say for a fact that Soros has journalism foundations set up, and he is pumping money to journalists also. So I want to thank everybody for joining our show. I want to thank our guests. Uh, these are permanent guests here, too. So I'm not even sure what to call you all anymore because you're not really a guest. We're the panel know? of experts. Yeah, the panel of experts. <laughs> That's right. With lots of opinions. Uh, so... Be sure to join us next week. We hope we have a show next week. We were off the air for two weeks. One, because we had some audio technical difficulties when I was out of town trying to do this podcast. Podcast, And then last week, our studio flooded. So we had to cancel that as well. So now after three weeks, or now the third week, we finally have a show that we put together. And uh, hopefully we'll have another one next week. So... Please look us up. Remember, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podbean, which hosts our podcast, will probably not send you a notice that we have a new episode out. They're going to make you do the work to find us. So take a look at the uh, whatever app you're look, uh, listening or watching us on and see if we have a new episode out. If you do not get a notice, and more than likely you won't, you're going to have to hunt us down. you got to look for so, your free speech these days. You can hunt us down, but we're not hiding behind a tree, right? So we're, we're there. We're easy to find. Yeah, except on Gab. You can try to search all you want oh, to yeah. on Gab, but Did they you? have hit us completely. I, I'm amazed. You know, Gab TV is shadow battling us. I don't know why. I mean, we gave them money to put up our podcast on Gab TV. We paid them money. Maybe George Soros paid them more. They paid them more to take us down. So now if you type in Christian Action Network on Gab TV, you cannot find us. We have a channel there. We can find our channel because, you know, but we have the password to it. So it's there. Let's ask them nobody else can find it. Let's ask them on. Yeah, we'll have to ask. All right. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week.